Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news in wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. Beaujolais leads French regional exports to the UK. WCT celebrates its 50th birthday. Prosecco-flavored crisps seized. The WTO confirms US tariffs on EU food and wine. And as ever, our Wine of the Week. So let's start with our week in wine. And this week, Katie, you had an extremely exciting announcement to share with the world of wine. That's right. A little self-promotion here. So the baton has been passed officially from the Batonage Forum, which is a conference uh, about women in wine that was started by Stevie Stachionis and Sarah Bray uh, back in 2018. So there's now been two editions of the event. And my colleague and I, uh, Rebecca Johnson and I, we're going to take over the 2020 edition uh, for the next couple of years. So very exciting. So what is the purpose of batonage? So batonage, the name, it comes from mixing it up. Uh, just having a platform for women in wine and in other industries to talk about some of the issues that, that females can face in the workplace and strategies and how to overcome those challenges. Uh, so that's based in Napa, isn't it, the event itself? It is. Uh, however, the venue will change for the 2020 edition, and please stay tuned. Uh, save the date. We'll go out shortly. And is it just for women in California or elsewhere as well? No, and it is our hope that it will get bigger and bigger and invite people from all over the states and or maybe eventually have international reach as well. Yeah, that would be even more exciting. And may I ask, are men invited? They're highly encouraged to attend. I think it only makes sense if we have both men and women and everyone attend this because I think it's issues that can apply to everyone. Yeah, everybody supporting each other. Exactly. And now on with the news. Beaujolais is a long-suffering French region, plagued by Beaujolais Nouveau and perceptions of it being a fruity wine for youthful drinking and living in the shadow of neighboring Burgundy. But maybe the tide is finally turning. Its lighter style has certainly found favor with sommeliers and restaurants, and signs are that consumers are continuing to follow suit. Figures released this week show that imports of Beaujolais into the United Kingdom rose by 34.5% in volume and 19.6% in value in the first eight months on 2019 compared to 2018, more than any other French region. The figures buck trends, not just for Beaujolais, but for red wines, as whites and rosés have become more fashionable. It may be that the lighter-bodied of Beaujolais fits in with those trends. However, typical for Beaujolais' up-and-down history, yields for the 2019 vintage are 25% down on the five-year average. So for those consumers looking for Beaujolais, there'll be less of it. Quality, though, is set to be good with structured, refreshing, and fruity wines. So this is very pleasant news to hear. We're both big fans of Beaujolais, and it's always been very sad that it's so underappreciated. Gamay all day. So it's great that um, other people are beginning to realize that you should drink Gamay all day. And the recent vintages have been really, really good. Uh, 15 was quite warm and the wines were fuller, but 16 just had the perfect balance and 17 a bit more delicate. And so they've really shown Beaujolais at, at its best and how it uh, reflects vintage variation, it reflects terroir, reflects producers' ideals as well. 
and the wines are extremely good, extremely food friendly, and very much their own thing. Everything you should look for in wine. Well, I think that's hit. That's it. You hit the nail on the head, Matthew, with the food friendliness. I think that at least you know here in the U.S., we've seen that consumers are increasingly interested in food friendly wines, and wines that you can enjoy earlier in the afternoon, uh, which Beaujolais kind of fits that as in the red category. It certainly can. There can also be a bit more serious than that as well, and that's what we also like at Beaujolais: the variety of wine that is produced there. And having worked in a wine shop in Napa for about 18 months, uh, the amount of Beaujolais I tasted that sales reps would bring round just so consistent in quality. And the amazing thing is that even though we're in Napa, um, all the locals just gobbled up the Beaujolais. That's what they'd come in for, and we could barely keep up with the uh, demand. Well, the value is there. Yeah, so why spend $70 on Burgundy when you can spend the equivalent on Beaujolais for $25? As we recently reported, the US announced a 25% hike on tariffs on certain goods imported from the EU into the States. These goods included wine, whiskey, liqueurs, and cheese. Although excluded wines, over 14% in alcohol, sparkling wine, and wine from Italy. The EU has disputed the implementation of these tariffs, but this week the WTO gave its permission to the US to impose them. The reason for the increased tariffs is that the WTO had ruled that the EU had granted unfair subsidies to Airbus at the expense of Boeing. The tariffs are a means of accruing the multi-billion fine the WTO awarded. So expect, in the US, an imminent increase in the price of French wine and cheese, and also Scotch whisky. We reported a few weeks ago on WSET celebrations to mark its 50th birthday with the largest ever sommelier-led food and wine tasting being held in September in London. This week, those celebrations continued with a dinner attended by nearly 150 members of the wine trade at the Vintners Hall in central London again, where the first ever WCT course was hosted in 1969. In that 50 years, the WCT has grown hugely. In 2018, 100,000 people across the world took the courses in 75 different countries in 18 different languages. The 50 years also echoed changes in the wine industry. Ian Harris, the WSET CEO, commented that in the first year of the WSET diploma, there were no women. Now we are 50-50. So lots of things to celebrate there, Katie. And that, uh, that end quote by Ian Harris just chimes in with your batonage news. It does indeed. It seems that we've come a long way as women in wine, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, and reading this news, um, it's exciting to see that uh, women have advanced so much in the last 50 years within the wine industry. Though, as you say, there's still lots of barriers to overcome. Also, looking at this news, I didn't realise the WSET was actually born out of the Wine Trade Club, which was established in 1908 by André Simon, who's kind of a seminal figure at the, uh, the beginning of the 20th century in wine. So the WCT goes even further back than the 50 years. Yeah, and the dinner was um, also had a very nice wine list prepared by David Wrigley MW, who actually educated me on how to teach the WCT courses. And what did it feature, Katie? Well, there was Louis Roederer, uh, Premier Cru Merceau, Bordeaux, Sauternes, Port, all the good things. Yeah, it's, those sound like the kind of wines that the British like to drink. <laughs> Last week, we had the unexpected theme of crisps. Or chips, as some of you might know them as. With the seasonal release in the UK of crisps, flavoured with truffle cheese and English sparkling wine. 
A lot to celebrate there, but not in this week's CRISP-related news, because 250 tubes of Prosecco and pink peppercorn-flavoured Pringles crisps were seized by Italian fraud officials in the Veneto region, where Prosecco is produced. Shocking. Unbelievable. Only producers in the Prosecco region are allowed to use the term, and Pringles did not have permission to do so, making their use of Prosecco in the packaging illegal. Prosecco producers have put a lot of effort into protecting the Prosecco name so that they have sole right to it, with Australians being the main competitor for use of the term. And this is a small but important example of the lengths that producers will go to. The president of Veneto, Luca Zaya, said that we have been insisting for years to all administrative and government levels to protecting our excellences protecting them from fraud, abuse, and Italian-sounding, which go above and beyond damaging honest producers who promote quality and territory. I have to say that quote makes little sense. It may be lost in translation somewhat. Perhaps. But who knew that crisp could cause such controversy? Quite. And who knew that crisp producers were going to such lengths to integrate wine into their uh, packaging and branding? Well, to be fair, Pringles is a very large brand, so that marketing would go quite a long way, so I can imagine that it would raise some red flags for Prosecco. Yeah, you would have thought that Pringles would have done some research on whether they could use the term or not. Mm, Well, just goes back to the days of Gallo when it's just hardy burgundy, right? Yes, and that's why uh, Prosecco producers are so protective, and they've gone to extraordinary lengths to create the Prosecco region out of nothing so that they can protect this name. And they're extremely determined that the Australians can't get their hands on this name, so they're making sure that um, it's protected as much as possible. Well, the Australians have been guilty in the past, haven't they, with the port and the tawnies and all that as well. Well, now we're getting into uh, some deep controversy, uh, because the Australians would argue that Prosecco is the name of the grape variety, not the region. So that's why they claim that they can still use it, whereas they did adapt to their use of uh, port, changing it to tawny. The controversy continues. And now for our wine of the week, and I'm going to hand this over to Katie, because there are some very difficult terms to, pr- to pronounce here. It's not that difficult, Matthew. It's Jakubian Hobbs, Dry White, 2017, one of my favorite wines. Uh, this is a product of a joint venture between the Armenian brothers Vikin and Vahe Jakubian and Sonoma County vintner Paul Hobbs. So they make two reds from the indigenous black grape variety Areni, and This is the white, um, very limited production, but worth seeking out. So, so far, pronunciation's been quite easy, but now we're getting into the tricky bit, I think. (laughs) That's right. So this this wine is from Rabnadzor in the Vyotzor region, uh, southwest Armenia. And the grape varieties, so this is where it gets really tricky, Vozkehat, which means golden berry, uh, and it's considered the emblematic white variety of Armenia, Hatuni, Kurdi, and another favorite, Garantamak, which means sheep's tail, and it prefers rocky semi-desert soils, uh, which are widespread in the Vyodzor. And this is a these grapes come from a high altitude vineyard, uh, which results in this super bright acidity. It's complex and kind of very mineral. Hate to say it, but does have that kind of uh, on the palate. Uh, super limited production, uh, maybe not one that you could easily spot in a blind t- tasting, but that's part of its charm. 
It's funny you should say that because I did give it to you blind to taste. And I did not identify it correctly. No, and I didn't really expect you to because this is very um, uncommon. But you did uh, liken it to Viognier. That was kind of, I think, your first guess, wasn't it? Because it had these floral aromatics, um, quite bright, a bit more acidic than Viognier maybe. but the Way si- more acidic. That yeah. was kind of what threw me. Yeah, but it had the very similar profile apart from that. And it's very tasty as well. This is a really good wine. Yeah, and the SRP on it is 25 bucks, so a good value. Yeah, definitely a good value for this quality. And if you like Viognier or those aromatic grape varieties with a bit of a tannic structure almost and some fresher acidity, then this is a wine well worth trying out. And the story is great. The brothers, the Yakubian brothers, they're very dedicated to spreading the Armenian culture around the world, and they felt that they could do this best through wine. So it's a charming story and some very good people behind it. Yeah, and not only that, but their winery is located right next to the oldest discovered winery in the world, 6,000 years old. That's right. History in a bottle. Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly. Thank you for listening. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. Join us next week for another Wind Up. Cheerio! Cheerio!